Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Isabel Fry. Isabel is a Yiddish singer and social justice activist based in Vienna. Her work focuses on Yiddish revolutionary and resistance songs and reviving the tradition of left-wing Jewish activism by connecting it to contemporary political issues. Welcome, Isabel. Hi, thanks for having me. Lovely to have you here, and we find you in Vienna, correct? Yeah, I'm in Vienna, yeah. Um, lovely. Well, would that we were meeting in a coffee house there together <laughs> <laughs> someday. Yeah. Um, so just to get us started, I'd love it if you could give us a little bit of background about your childhood in Vienna, your sort of Jewish roots, and, and where you went from there. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I grew up uh, in Vienna, I think, with in like a typical kind of um, secular, almost completely assimilated, but then not completely assimilated Jewish life. So um, I went to um, non-Jewish schools, so Austrian public schools and even like a like a Protestant, a Protestant uh, elementary school. Um, but I I was always also raised with a, a Jewish life on the side, you know, so um, I grew up in the in the Jewish community in Vienna, which is the the main synagogue is an Orthodox synagogue. But at the same time, um, my family is one of the only families that that are part of both the main synagogue, which is Orthodox and the reform synagogue, which actually my grandparents helped found here. Um, so I grew up in, in those two communities, actually, not going there very often, but often enough uh, during the holidays and once in a while for a Kabbalah Shabbat to, to also, yeah, grow up with the liturgical traditions enough. Um, I spent a year also uh, in New Orleans when I was seven, and that's actually a year in which I um, got to know American Jewish traditions better um, and also went to Sunday school there and just had a bit more of a Jewish communal life um, there. And um, basically from when I was um, six onwards, I went to a socialist Zionist youth movement, Hashomer HaTzair, um, in Vienna every every weekend, basically. And that became a very important part of my um, my life basically my the, the place where I had all my Jewish friends and and also the place where I politicized even though I I, I I'm not a Zionist anymore and I don't necessarily um, identify with that anymore but it was a very important space for me to to politicize to get in um, to learn about um, so socialism and also traditions of Jewish socialism and also, Secular, secular Jewish traditions, and having a Jewish life that that is also compatible with um, with still being quite integrated into non-Jewish Austrian life you know? because the community is small in Vienna. It's uh, yeah, so it's 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 either either you're completely in, immersed in in a Jewish world where you you live in this parallel world a bit, or you you need to engage uh, and and fi find figure out ways how to live both a Jewish and a non-Jewish life. And, and um, after you finished high school, mm -hmm. I gather you spent a gap year in Israel doing social work and living on a kibbutz. Um, and that sort of, be 
you you had a lot of grounding and thought you how do I say this you there was a lot sort of going round in your head all the way, all this time I feel like and um Israel began to be an opportunity for all of this to coalesce and then push you in a in the direction that you've pursued professionally. Can you talk a little bit about how that experience again um began to be the rooting for where you went next professionally? Yeah, um yeah, so in a way I'm I'm I think you're right when you said when you say this was the the, the beginning or the, the root of where I, where I went later, even though I think at the time I had no idea that um, my experiences were going to drive me into um, Yiddish revolutionary songs. But um, I, I went there, I went there when I was 18, really with the idea of, you know, this was what I'm, um, what I was meant to do. <laughs> Because I grew up with these ideas of, of socialist Zionism. So I really, you know, I wanted to live in a socialist utopia and I wanted to have like a, a, a life of also Jewish cultural self-emancipation. So I really thought that um, that the kibbutz w- was going to give me that. And instead, when I got there, I, it was really an experience that this this whole world of... of um, socialist Zionism and of the kibbutz movement was not what it used to be and maybe was never really what it used to be or what we romanticize it to be, especially um, in the diaspora. Um, I got there, the first kibbutz that I was, I was, I was at was a kibbutz called Cholit. It was two kilometers away from the Gaza Strip. It used to be communal, but it was privatized at the time. And so there was very little communal life there. And what was um, kind of a, a strong experience was that we were there, we were all, you know, kind of um, privileged Jewish kids from Europe, and we were there also to have a day per week where we would work on the kibbutz, and um, there was, so I have this memory of, of being on the kibbutz and working on the field there, and um, we, we had to paint the lemon trees white to prevent them from being dried out. And we're doing this manual labor, not very efficiently. And at the same time, there were the Thai guest workers there who had um, who had come from Thailand to, to Israel to do this work that to replace the Palestinian um, guest workers that weren't able to come anymore since the Gaza siege. And that was definitely... And they were doing this work way faster and more efficiently than than we were doing it. And it was some kind of a confrontation between the, I think, the utopia of of socialism and like the realities of globalized capitalism that were just clashing in this kibbutz. Um, And then later throughout that year, I mean, I also got confronted more and more with the realities of the Israel-Palestinian conflict that I hadn't really learned so much about actually nothing <laughs> in uh in in my time in in the movement in Vienna and um I took a tour with breaking the silence uh, to the west bank and and visited Hebron for the first time in my life and that was i mean yeah i don't know i i i thought it's it's actually absurd that i'm i'm a i was a politically educated person and i had not learned about the occupation at all and that 
it, it just kind of also started this whole process of understanding that um, everything that my, my Jewish identity was built upon was not as stable as I thought it was. And it started this process of, of questioning and taking that apart and also then um, realizing that there needs to be something else. <laughs> if it's not if it's not enough for me to say that I'm Jewish because um, I, whatever, sing the Hatikva and hang up an Israel flag in my home, once I take that all away because I, I, I politically disagree with that, what does it mean then to be Jewish? And what does it mean to be Jewish and left-wing? And um, you pursued for a bit a career in journalism, and ultimately um, I think music became an outlet for your expression of activism um and uh, wondered if you could talk a little bit again about music and and how that's integrated all of these experiences and become that expression that is working for you uh both professionally and and personally mm -hmm. yeah i think uh, journalism was never really so much that i thought okay i'm, I'm actually going to pursue being a journalist it's just that I, I I really enjoy writing as a mode of expression and and I've been figuring out ways to to um do some freelance work and just do, if I have a topic that I want to express to express that but I think you're right that um with music I found a mode that I that actually suits me even better than than essayistic or journalistic writing um, I mean, it, and I think it, it, it suits me better because it, it combines different layers of, of, of my identity and also just my, um, my, my view of politics. <laughs> I think the, the great thing is about com combining music with politics is that it's directly, it doesn't just include the intellectual and the cognitive aspects of political expression, but also the affective and emotional dimensions. And these are often overlooked, like as a, also as a political activist, when I, 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 I after my year in Israel, I moved to Amsterdam and I became very politically active in different social movements. And I really enjoyed that, but I also, really felt the need to um, take care of, of the affective and emotional dimensions of, of politics, um, which is also something that I learned from, for example, the feminist movement and, um, and building feminist discussion groups within the spaces that I was uh, organizing with. And so, so music really combined that because it, 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 it doesn't just speak to us intellectually, but it also just touches us emotionally and elicits um, anger or passion or sadness, which are all really important to feel in in the course of of doing politics, because otherwise we're just yeah robots <laughs> following a script. And um, yeah, and the other element of of the music, I mean, that's particular specific to Yiddish music, you know, and is that it, it, it combined these different layers of my identity. Like, I think the, the, the modes of the music, you know, just like the, the modes in which it draws, um, 
Yiddish music is also, and Yiddish song is so deeply also tied to this tradition of Jewish liturgical music, but also just Jewish folk songs and different folk traditions that were around. And and I feel like I, even though I never really grew up so much with, you know, I didn't hear songs sung at, at, at my parents' home, but even just in, in, in shul hearing melodies and as a child, that goes quite deep. And I just think, you know, these, 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 these modes or these motives or just these harmonic changes, they go quite deep and they also do for other people. So that's not just reserved to, for Jews. They, they, they're also just worker songs and they're just written to, to speak to people who are, you know, either frustrated about a situation that they're in or they're determined to fight for a better life. So it, they're just, through the medium of music, also new um, new forms of solidarity become possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's interesting, and I'm just going to back up a little for our listeners um, because we jumped ahead. You stumbled upon, and, and you know, you refer to it as a tradition of Yiddish revolutionary songs, and that's something that's deeply rooted in um, the you know, sort of secular side of Jewishness. Um, that there were these incredible songs uh, that were related to political activism that were in Yiddish. Um, Revolutionary songs is certainly the way you would refer to them. Um, And that uh, seems to be a thread that you picked up on and and have run with. Um, Your latest work is the release of an album which is titled Millennial Bundes. And I thought it might be interesting to listen to a little bit of a track that includes a performance of a long-forgotten Yiddish theater song about the suffragette movement. And so let's listen to that for a minute, and then we can come back and talk about it a little bit. And now 100 years have passed, and see where it has brought us. Women in boards of companies, in parliaments and startups, But what have wealthy women done for care workers and migrants? It's time to change our strategy and join to fight all Thank you. Yeah, I'm, the song, I, I, I stumbled upon it in Montreal. Um, I, was, I was there because I was a, an Israeli scholarship student for Ples Canada. Um, 
last summer, so not the COVID summer, but the summer before. And uh, after that, I spent a few days in Montreal and spent almost a whole day in the Jewish public library there, which is a great place. And they have a pretty big CD collection with a significant um, amount of, of songs, just Yiddish, Yiddish uh, song CDs. And so I spent a whole day just listening through these CDs on the computer and just seeing if I can find something. And that was actually on a CD that was, it was an anthology about um, women and women in Yiddish theater. And it was a recording by the Yiddish singer named Clara Gold, who was singing in New York. And it was a recording from 1921. And I heard it, the song, and I realized that it was about the suffragette movement and it, this great tune and the, the, the line, you know, a congressman, a president, liegt bei Weiber in die Hand. And I, I, I don't know, I just thought like, oh, this is a great tune. But the, the problem was, I, it was very hard to understand the Yiddish. And I wasn't actually so sure what it meant or what it was saying about the suffragette movement. And it was um, only after I found another recording uh, in, in an archive, um, which was from 1920s and from the year when it was written by Ruben Doctor. Also, I found out that it was written by him, um, who he's he was a songwriter who wrote a lot of quite misogynist, misogynistic songs, which maybe was, you know, part of the the humor of the time. <laughs> but a lot of these songs were, yeah, were not necessarily feminist. And so then I, I found out from this other recording because it was introduced with, with a, quite a sexist joke about like, oh, my wife at home, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that, I, that, that women have voting rights now because now I can tell my wife at home to shut up if she screams and just go vote and <laughs> not scream around. So... I realized that the song was written sarcastically. And then I was faced with the question of what to do now, you know, because I, I, I don't think my initial reaction of thinking, oh, this is a cool song was, was off. It was just that, that it's ambivalent. And, and I, I think that the recording that I heard from Clara Gold, who sung it a year later, was actually also ambivalent. Like, I'm, I'm sure she was singing it in, in a way that was also humorous and a cabaret style, but it was not the same, you know, mock, didn't have the same mocking quality as, as the recording from a year earlier. And one of the ways I realized that was because she changed the word, for example, she changed the word um, alle Weiber Megenstimmen, she changed the word Megan to Misen. So all women can vote to all women must vote. And that that's just a subtle difference that just makes it a bit more, you know, fighting it gives it more of a fighting quality so I I thought like oh maybe Clara Gold was also you know thinking of how to reappropriate the song a bit and maybe she didn't want to sing it so ironically because she was happy that she had voting rights um, already then for a year so inspired by that I thought okay maybe I want to also write an English verse um, that that reflects on what voting rights mean 100 years later because I I think um, it's it's very important to build on the achievements of the past, but at the same time not to romanticize them and pretend as if you know everything everything has been achieved that has been achieved. Like I think in today's world we can see that 
we're really, we're really, really not living in a post-patriarchal or post-misogynistic world. And um, the struggle is not over just just through equal voting rights. And and I think it's actually um, kind of touching to see how how people did the people in the suffragette movement did imagine this being the first stage, but they imagined all these other social transformations following from it. And so I was thinking about how to communicate that today and how to point out that that we are that there's still a lot of work to be done. <laughs> well, we we talked uh, at the Yiddish Book Center um, about our work, which is regenerating Jewish culture. And I think what you're doing in in surfacing and, and re, rethinking these and uh, kind of reimagining some of this work and how it relates to your, you know, sort of thrust in terms of political activism is really interesting and compelling and uh, I look forward to sort of seeing where you where you take all this. And quickly before we go, what are you working on now? Right now, um, I just started working on my PhD. Actually, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's um, another undertaking. <laughs> that's another undertaking. But it, my um, my PhD is is in ethnomusicology, and my project is about Yiddish Yiddish song, Yiddish singing, and and um, kind of the political dimensions of that also like in in Yiddish cultural spaces and in festivals and um, linking that to kind of the theory and the movement of 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 Jewish diasporism or the meaning of diaspora so that's more of a theoretical undertaking Um, but it but it 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 is definitely combined with my um, artistic work as well and so right now I'm yeah I'm spending a lot of time reading and thinking and at the same time um at the same time singing um one of the things that I'm focusing on that I that I'm interested in both academically and artistically is this tradition of unaccompanied yiddish song and the style of unaccompanied yiddish singing um and I find it also interesting especially in terms of its gender politics, because a lot of these songs, these very traditional folk songs have such, um, speak to a lot of women's issues, I would say. Um, And for example, yeah, so like, so, you know, a bit of a different definition of what is revolutionary song. Like I I think like a a love song that, um, that touches upon also suffering, but also maybe like socio, um, yeah, socio-political issues, or I don't know, um, not being allowed by the family to be with the lover or something. There are also political aspects to that, so I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. And another big thing that I'm working on is that I was uh, just running for for office in a, in Vienna in the local elections for this new left-wing party called Links, which means left. And for them, I, I, I performed a lot as a singer because <laughs> there were a lot of, uh, of those kind of outdoor party campaigning events. And I performed at about 10 of those in the past month with wow. revolutionary songs and trying to, yeah, see how I can combine the, the different 
different Yiddish revolutionary songs, you know, some of which are my albums, some of which are ones that I that I've learned already after after I've recorded it, and how I can combine that with um, political campaigning. And so that was really fun. For example, the the song Alle Weiber Megen Stimmen about women's voting rights, I, I, I performed that a lot because one of the demands that our party had was um, was universal suffrage for everyone living in Vienna because one third of the people living in Vienna can't vote and it's a lot of a lot of them are people of color, migrants, um, actually members of the working class that are systematically excluded. So um, I, yeah, I tried to make it, create a link there with that song and linking it to that issue. And that worked in live performance, yeah. Um, your work is really interesting. And um, let's share uh, with our listeners where they can learn a little bit more about you and your work and also um, have access to purchasing albums and music from you. Mm-hmm. So my my website is www.isabelfry.com. Um, Fry written with an E and a Y, and Isabel with only one L. And um, the album is is purchasable on Bandcamp, also in digital digital cop digital download, but also in a physical copy. It's also purchasable on Amazon. It's purchasable on the on the um, website of the label, which is in Germany, but also ships internationally. Um, great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Isabel. It's fascinating and really interesting to hear the sort of trajectory and how you found your way to the music and the Yiddish roots, etc. It sort of all came together, and it'll be really fun to follow you as you continue your work and also your PhD, which sounds like a fascinating topic. So um, stay well, and um, we hope to visit with you again in the future to check in. Yeah, thank you very much. Great, thank you. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To subscribe to this and other podcasts, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Mm-hmm.